Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Let's get in the Word today. So last week we started a sermon series called No Regrets, Living Life to the Fullest. I was going to say tell your neighbor no regrets, but some people don't like that here. Not mentioning any names, Bibi. Um, she always says, I'm not going to tell my neighbor nothing. Okay. So I'm not going to say that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Tell your neighbor no regrets. Yeah. She'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I felt as, as we were entering this, this new year, 2024, that that was what the Holy Spirit was challenging me and, and essentially us as a church to live our lives to the fullest, for us to take full advantage of every moment and every opportunity that we will be given this year in our personal lives and in our families and, and, and even in our, our ministries and, and in our church. And, and when the Holy Spirit dropped that in my spirit, I, I immediately thought of, of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And, and here is this older Paul speaking to his, his, his spiritual son, his disciple in the faith. And, and he says these words. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And so here is the Apostle Paul, as we talked about last week. He has come to the, the end of, uh, of, of his life, the end of his ministry, the end of his race. And, and he's giving what I believe are his last words to his spiritual son. He's, you know, when, when people on their deathbed, they often want to, to talk about, you know, the, those things that are most valuable and, and most important. And so Paul has, has realized that, that his time is, is essentially done and it's time for uh, his spiritual son, Timothy, to, to pick up the baton and, and continue to run. And, and he realizes that at this moment, his opportunities to do more, to serve more, to live more have now come to an end. And in verse 6, he tells Timothy, my life has been poured out. In other words, he, he, he's telling Timothy, I have given everything that I have. I have done everything within me to do, to honor God and, and to honor his call upon my life. And so when, when I read this passage of scripture, what I read between the lines of what Paul is telling Timothy, he is telling him, I, I ran the race. Yes, the race wasn't easy. There were times where I wanted to give up. There were times where I wanted to give in. This race is not a sprint, but it is a spiritual marathon. It is a race of endurance. He's telling him, I have ran the race. And then he goes on to say, I have fought the fight. And when I think about what it is to, to be a, a believer. And I think about what, what we know within our context of what believing a be believer is. And, and oftentimes I, we, we say that we go through trials and we go through hardships. But the reality is that most of us as, as American believers, American Christians, we really have no idea what it is to fight the fight of faith. What it is to, to really be in, 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 in tribulation and, and in troubles. Do you know that there are people gathered over today all over the world that are li literally gathering in underground churches that if their government or if their neighbors find out that they are gathering in a Christian church, it could literally cost them their livelihood and some it could cost them their life. And oftentimes, man, it's just, it's just so hard. And for us, it's like, and I, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent this month. Or, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make that, that car payment. And we say that and we think we're so, we're, 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 we're being put in the fire, not realizing that there are people all over the world that don't even know what it is to have a car or even to live in a house. 
And when I look at, at what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, he's like, man, I, 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 fought, I fought the fight. The, the, this life that God has called me to, uh, there were many battle, battles that I had to fight. When you look at the Apostle Paul, everything he lost because he gave his yes to Jesus. Everything he lost, he lost his affluence, he lost his influence, he lost his wife, he lost his family, he lost his inheritance. Literally, Answering the call to serve Jesus Christ cost him everything. And here we are. We call what we go through as, as trials and tribulations. I, I imagine that if, if some of the martyrs of our faith would look at us and be like, <laughs> like, you call that a trial? I'm reminded of Rachel Scott at the age of 15 in Columbine High School with a gun pointed to her head said, renounce Jesus or die. And you know what this 15-year-old girl did? She said, I will not do that. And she lost her life. Now, most of them are like, okay, my bad, never mind. Who, Jesus who? Here is this 15-year-old girl who wanted to talk about trials and tribulations. And, and, and so when Paul is, is writing these words to Timothy, Paul knows what it is to fight. Paul knows what it is to battle for his faith. In fact, look at what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24-26. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five different times they gave him 39 lashes. Why did they give him just 39? Because they knew it was scientifically proven. They already had it figured out that if you got 40 lashes, that would literally kill you. So what did they do? In fact, the King James Version says they gave him 40 minus 1. They inflicted as much pain as they could on him. Enough, just enough so he wouldn't die but he would have to live and suffer through it. Five times, 39 lashes. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not the kind of stone that some of you all think, like, oh, man. That's, no, that's not what he's saying there, okay? That's not the kind of stone he was talking about. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and, and, and from robbers. See, th that's a part of the, the, the gospel that we don't know. That here is the apostle Paul. He's on his way to preach the gospel. And he's being robbed. He's being assaulted. We, we often forget the Bible doesn't say that every time a robber showed up that he sent a band of angels to protect him. I'm sure that there were times that Paul lost all of his goods. He lost everything. He got robbed. He's, he's telling you, I have fought the fight. This is what I went through. And then he says, I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews. What is he saying? The same people that used to be my friends, the same people that used to invite me to their parties, the same people that used to have me over for dinner, are the same people that are now trying to kill me and hurt me. Every type of rejection, every type of pain, anything that you could ever go through, Paul went through it. He said, from the Jews as from the Gentiles, I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. And he's saying, even though the battle was fierce, even though the opposition I faced was grueling, but I didn't quit, I didn't give up, I didn't give in. I imagine there was times where he wanted to, but he's telling, telling Timothy, even I went through all of these things, I did not throw in the towel, I kept fighting, I kept pushing, and through it all, I remained faithful. In other words, I persevered through 
the opposition. So when Paul is writing, the way I read this, he's telling him, I ran the race, I fought the fight, and I have remained faithful. Therefore, I have no regrets. I can easily look back on my life and know that I did my best to honor God, to fulfill his purpose for my life. I have no regrets. I took advantage of every opportunity and have maximized every moment. And that's what I want to talk to you today. In order to live a life of no regrets and living life to the fullest in 2024, we've got to learn to maximize the moment. And here he is, Paul, at the end of his race, and he's encouraging Timothy. This is what I want for you. I, I, I want you to run your race this way. I, I'm no longer going to be here. There's nothing else I can do. My life has been poured out. I have nothing left to give, but I want you to do the same. This is how I want you to run. This is how I want you to fight. This is how I, I, want, you, I want you to live so that when you get to the end of your life, when you are where I am right now, you can look back on your life and know without a doubt that you live lived your life to the fullest, that you took advantage of every opportunity, and that you maximized every single moment. And last week we talked about living life to the fullest. The first thing we have to do is determine what is really important and what is really valuable. We learned that what is heavenly is more valuable than what is earthly. What is eternal is more, value, more valuable than what is, what is temporary. The only thing that you will be able to take with you to heaven are your friends and your family. And so the second key to living life to the fullest, a life with no regrets, is we've got to learn how to maximize Every moment to make the most of it. As I mentioned last week, this year you will be given 366 days, 52 weeks, 8,784 hours, 527,040 minutes this year. Don't tell me, Pastor, I don't have time. That's a lot of time. Whether or not you make time, that's a different story. But if something that you have this year is you have time. Now, one of the principles that the Bible teaches us is that every new day equals a new opportunity. In fact, the writer writes this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. He tells us, great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. See, God is good. He, he is faithful. And every day we start with a, a new set of mercies. His mercies are his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness in us and for us and towards us. What the writer is essentially saying, that no matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how far you run, you will never outrun or outlive his goodness and his faithfulness or his mercies toward you. No matter what you will face in 2024, he will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not turn from you. And he definitely will not give up on you we get to start fresh every morning see see the problem with most of us is that we get stuck on yesterday we get stuck on yesterday what happened yesterday i don't know if this has ever happened to you I'm, I'm probably not because your workplace is perfect and everybody that works with you is perfect but has ever anything ever happened to you at work on monday and it's Friday, and you're still thinking about it? Nah, I never know. And the worst part is Sunday night, you're getting ready to go to work the following Monday, and you're still thinking about it. And see, for a lot of us, we get so stuck on, on yesterday. We get so stuck on, on what happened. We get stuck on what didn't happen, what they said, what they did, not realizing that the Bible says that every day we get a new opportunity. We can do something different. But if the enemy has us stuck on yesterday, then we're going to miss out on what God wants to do today. We will never be able to maximize the moment if we're still living on yesterday's fire. That's a picture that we get from the scriptures. 
The Bible tells us that the Levitical priest, when the, 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 priestly, uh, the, the priesthood protocol was established, the Bible says that every morning the priest would have to go and they would have to remove the ashes from the altar. They would have to remove the ashes from the altar and they would have to put a fresh sacrifice and a fresh fire. It doesn't matter what the ashes, maybe the ashes was something great. Maybe the ashes were something awesome. Maybe it was, it was, it was a bad experience. It was something that you went through, a trial, a struggle, or a tribulation. But that is the picture of what you and I have to do. If we are going to maximize the moment, we've got to learn how to shake off yesterday. Because the enemy can get you stuck on yesterday. You've got to shake it off. And we can get so stuck. And something that happened can ruin the rest of our week, ruin the rest of our month, because we haven't learned that every new day equals a new opportunity. And that's what the writer is saying. We, we, we start fresh every morning. Think about that. Let, let that be your mindset. You, you can't do anything about yesterday. You can't, you can't go back and, and, and change the things. You can't go back and, and, and get a redo. Yes, you can learn from it. You can learn how to react and respond differently. You can learn how not to let those things affect you. Yes, but there's nothing you can do to, 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 to go back and change those things. So if you start this year and you begin to say, every day is a new day for a new opportunity. You learn to shake it off. So you get a fresh start every morning, a clean slate. And to use a football analogy, we start with a new set of downs every morning to advance, to move forward, to win the game. Because every new day equals new opportunities. But the problem is that we often think in terms of someday. Someday, right? Someday I will get in shape. Pastor, I got a shape. I just look like an apple. Everybody has different shapes. Someday, I will get healthier. Someday, I'll, I'll go back to school and, and finish my degree or, 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 or get my, 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 my good enough degree, the GED. The joke. That's what my cousin called it when he got his GED. Someday I'll start that business. Someday I'll get serious with God. Someday I'll have a better marriage. Someday I'll make date night a priority. Someday I'll make family night a priority. Someday I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to be a better father or a mother. Someday I'll read that book. Or someday I'll take that class. Someday I'll give my tithes. Hopefully that's someday soon. Someday I'll do the 21-day fast. Someday... I'll start serving in church. Hopefully that's someday soon. Because we are growing and we need a lot more help. But I'm here to tell you that someday is today. This day is your someday if you've been waiting for a sign to do what God has been nudging and urging you to do, to start that business, to get out there, to, to make that move, to shift careers, to go back to school, whatever it is that God has been calling you to do, I'm here to tell you that this is your sign. This is your moment. God is saying, I want that someday to be today. I'm giving you a new fresh set of 24 hours every day for you to maximize the moment so that you can make someday today. And I'm here to tell you, do it while you can. While you have the energy, while you, you have the strength, while you, the, the strategy is still fresh in your mind, the idea is, is still fresh in your mind. Has, has it ever happened to you where you're watching TV late at night and you get the infomercial and somebody's selling you an idea that you had like 10 years ago? And what's the difference between them and you? You're still waiting on someday, and they made that day their someday. And I thought about, in my idea, it was even better. But you're still waiting 
on someday. See, the way that we make our someday today is we've got to learn to maximize the moment. When we fail to maximize the moment, then we get, then we open up ourselves for regret. And the sad thing about regret is that we don't usually realize what we have missed until it's gone. Like that old adage says, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And that's what happens. We don't realize. We, we fall into regret. Not, not in the moment. Not not when we miss it. It's not till after, you know, time passes and things go on that we begin to look back and said, man, if I would have just done more, if I would have just worked a little bit harder, if I would have just studied a little bit more, I would not be where I am at. And that's what happens when people on their deathbed, they begin to look back and they realize where they missed opportunities. They, 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 they missed the moment. They missed the mark. They, they, they think back like, man, I should have spent more time with my kids. Now, they're all grown up, have their friends, and they're gone. I should have treated my wife or my husband better, and now they want out of the marriage. I should have started that exercise program, and now here I am in the hospital waiting for open heart surgery. I should have set a better example of making God and faith a priority for my family. And now my family, my kids, now they want nothing to do with God because I didn't make it a priority. I should have gotten closer to God for him to to put my life and my habits in order. And because I couldn't give up drinking, now I've lost everything. See, if we are going to end 2024 with no regrets, we are going to have to maximize every moment. Now, how do we start to maximize the moment? And, and, and this is going to be mind-blowing. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. Okay, you ready? I should sell, I should sell this for 1995. Okay, here it goes. Take the first step. Woo, pastor, that's brilliant. Yes, I know. I'll be here all week and next week. You know, it is scientifically, scientifically proven that you will never finish or accomplish anything that you never start. <laughs> Man, uh, it took a lot of research to get that point. It is scientifically proven that you will never finish anything that you don't start. In order, the first step to maximize the moment is you've got to be willing to take the first step. Decide and determine, when I get out of here today, I'm going to make that call. I'm going to call that friend. I'm going to reach out to my mom. I'm going to reach out to my sister. I'm going to reach out to that friend. I'm going to go sign up for that class. I'm going to go sign up for that, for that seminar. I'm going to go look for that counselor. I've got to do something because if you don't, if you don't change things up, then you're going to find yourself in the same place that you've always been. You've got to take that first step. So in order to make that someday today is you've got to sign up, you've got to show up, and you've got to glow up. You will never finish anything that you never start. But starting, taking that first step, being intentional about changing, being intentional about growing increases your probability of following through on your dream or on your purpose. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I know that, that it can be overwhelming when you begin to look at the task, you begin to look at the project. Because remember, like I said, that God will never give you anything that, that you can do. His purpose and his plan will always be bigger than you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do it without him. He wants to make up the gap. He wants to make up the difference. So when you look at that dream, when you look at that call, when you look at that ministry, when you look at that position, when you look at that business, it's going to seem overwhelming. Yes, I know. I get it. I've been there. It's going to, it's going to, seem almost impossible at time, but I'm remembering what the wise Desmond Tutu once said. He said, there is only one way to eat an elephant, a bite at a time. Now, what he meant by this is that everything in life that seems daunting, overwhelming, and even impossible can be accomplished 
gradually by taking on just a little at a time. Taking that first step, just, just doing it. Now, th this is kind of how my natural process is. This is, this is kind of how I work. I, I, I look at the big task. I look at the big project. And I, and I create this, 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 this schedule of, of daily wins, of things that, that, that I know that if I do, it will get me closer to where I want to be. And in fact, even that is kind of my process when, when I go to the gym. There's this crazy machine that a lot of people avoid in the gym called the Stairmaster. The Stairmaster can kick your butt, literally. <laughs> kick it or lift it, one of the two. And I go there and I say, okay, I'm going to do 20 minutes. I get into like minute three, I'm like, okay. I'm going to do seven, <laughs> right? Because that's how it is. Sometimes you take that first step and then you realize like, man, I can't keep going. And, and, and then, but, but something happens in my mind that I say, okay, it's killing me. I'm feeling the burn. I, I, it's hurting. And, and all of a sudden I, I'm at, at three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. And I think, man, Seven minutes is only, only two minutes away. I can get to seven, and I'm almost to seven. And then I think, man, I'm almost to seven. What's three more minutes? I can do ten. And there I am at minute eight, eight and a half, and I'm almost at ten. Like, man, I can do ten. If I can get to ten, I know I can do twelve. And there I am. I get close to ten, eleven, and I'm almost at twelve. It's like, man, I'm already at twelve. I can just do fifteen. And then I go to fifteen. I say, what's three more minutes? I can go to eighteen. Literally, that's the way I talk myself in to keep going. Because, believe me, at every minute, I feel like quitting and giving up. Man, I, I've done enough. And then I'll go to 18 minutes and 19 minutes. And then before you know it, I'm at 20, 21, 22, flex. Call at your boy. And I get down and I realize that I was able to overcome. And that's what you've got to do and maximize the moment to accomplish everything that God has called you to do. Set up daily wins. Celebrate the wins. Don't let the enemy remind you of where you're not. Don't let the enemy remind you of where you're failed. Shake off yesterday. You've got to shake it off and realize that you want today. And if you want today, that means that you can win tomorrow. Yes, you're going to have opposition. Yes, you're going to feel like giving up. Yes, you're going to be in the battle. But you have to remember that you've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep pushing and every day you've got to take that first step and another key to maximizing the moment is you have to learn how to minimize the moment and I know you're thinking pastor that's oxymoronic like how could you maximize the moment and now you're telling us to minimize the moment yes because one of the enemy's strategies to keep you stuck and stagnant is to magnify the task Manif mag mag magnify the call magnify the purpose I I in other words he he'll, he'll make it seem more bigger and, and and more daunting he will often try to make things look worse than they really are to make them seem more difficult than they really are to make you think that they are more impossible than they really are he he'll magnify magnify the problem that that that's his strategy remember when when the Israelites were in the desert and they were about to go into the promised land Moses sent 10 spies to the promised land and they went in there and they began to see all these Mongols covered in chamoy like huge and that's uh, that's the way I read it and and so they, they saw all this fruit and they came back and and the Bible says yes they, they came back and said yes that is a prosperous land that land flows with milk and honey but Isn't that what happens to us? We get stuck in the yeah, but. Yeah, I'd like to start my own business, but. Yes, I'd like to go back to school, but. And these ten, these, these ten spies, they got stuck in the yeah, but. Say, yeah, yes, it's just like God said. Yes, this land is prosperous. Yes, this land flows with milk and honey. Yes, it, it, it's amazing. You're going to love it, but. There are giants there. And, and, and so 
What do they say? But they don't just stop there. Why? Because what does the devil do? He wants to magnify the problem. He wants you to think that it's worse than it really is. He wants you to make you think that it's bigger. And they come back and they exaggerate. And they tell tell Moses, yes, that this land is amazing. This land is is wonderful. Yes, it's prosperous. Uh, There's so much that we can do there. But there's giants and they're so huge that we look like grasshoppers. The enemy magnified the size of their enemy. Isn't that what he does to us? You'll never do it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. They're better than you are. Nobody even likes you. You have nobody in your corner. You, you, ha- you don't have money. You don't have the degree. You don't have the education. He magnifies. When you see that, yes, there were giants in the land. We, we know from, 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 from fossil structures that the people in the land were probably somewhere between 9 to 15 to 18 feet tall. Man, that would have been an amazing basketball team. But when you look at the proportional dimension between an average-sized human and a grasshopper, that was very different than a 9- or an 18-foot giant to an average-sized human. It doesn't compare. No, you don't look like a grasshopper, but that's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's what he wants to get in your head. That's what the enemy will always do. He will always try to tell you why you can't do it, why you won't make it, why you won't succeed, why you won't be prosperous, why your marriage can't get better, why your family can't get better, why you can't do better financially, why you can't do better for your family, why you can't go to school, all of these things because he will exaggerate the magnitude of your problem. He will point out every obstacle that's in your way and he will make you think that that obstacle is impossible for you to overcome. He will blow up the situations. He will magnify the problems all at an attempt to get you to quit or worse, to never even start. Remember, I always say that the only way that the enemy can defeat you is to get you to quit. And the only way that the enemy can stop what God wants to do in your life is to get you to never start. The only way that hell can stop what heaven has for you is to get you to never start. Because the word of God says that he sends its word and it always accomplishes its purpose. You know, it's proven that after you start one business, it's easier to start a second business. Because now you don't see what you saw as a limitation and obstacles or what we call it in economics class, the barriers to entry. You realize... That's not a barrier anymore. But a lot of us, we have giraffe syndrome. You know what giraffe syndrome is? I don't know if you've ever been to the zoo, but giraffes are these tall animals with really long necks, in case you didn't know. But you'll often find that the whole giraffe area, they don't have these huge fences to keep the giraffes in because giraffes have really good memories. When they're born, they're little, and they'll use average-sized bushes, average-sized obstacles to keep them confined in but the problem is is that even though as the giraffe grows they always see that bush bigger than them so now they're tall they're huge they could easily step over the barrier but because they haven't changed how they see that obstacle They stay stuck where they're at. They could easily break out. They could easily walk out. They could easily just just step over it. But because in their mind, when they were younger, that that obstacle was a barrier that they could not overcome. Now, they, they can't move forward. And that's what happens to a lot of us. We get stuck in the obstacles of the past, in the barriers of the past. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing in hell that can stop what heaven wants to send your way. 
But that's what the devil does. He's a master at making mountains out of molehills. You know, we talked about it last year during our Take It By Force series that every time the kingdom of God is going to expand, the enemy will bring opposition. And Satan is not his name. That is his job description. Satan means adversary. And adversary is one who opposes. He is God's adversary. And because you are pursuing God and his perfect will and purpose for your life, now he becomes your adversary see when you are blessed when your marriage is blessed remember blessed means to prosper and flourish you give God glory and to his job description and it is his job description to keep anything from on this earth from giving God glory that's why he wants to stop you that's why he comes against you because when you begin to walk in the fullness of life when you begin to tap into living life to the fullest and you begin to tap into your dream you begin to tap into to your destiny. That is when you give God all the glory and it's the adversary's job to stop anything on the earth from giving God glory. In fact, that's what Jesus was saying in John 10, 10. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. See, the enemy's not after your peace, after your stuff. He's after your peace. He doesn't want your car. He doesn't want your water heater. He's not after your stuff. He's after your peace. How does he try and steal your peace? By over-exaggerating the opposition. By magnifying the problem, getting you to think about, to get you to think, man, I'll, I'll never get through this. I'll never, I'll never change. I'll never break this habit. I'll never, I'll never be different. My marriage will never get better. My family, my kids are, are lost. They're, they're, they're never going to change it. And the enemy gets you there in, in that moment. He gets you there. He'll make you think that there is no way out, that there's no way through, that everything is lost and that there is no point. You might as well just give up you might as well just give in and you might as well just throw in the towel but you have to learn to minimize the moment it's like when your eighth grade girlfriend broke up with you on valentine's day who does that like literally who breaks up with somebody on that like wait a day like how hard is it i'm not saying it happened to me me. <laughs> I need a moment. Yes, thank you. I'm Valentine. Like, really? Who does that? True story. For a friend. There I was. Or there he was. Sitting in second period physical science class, eighth grade. And you would always sit in the desk that would be right by the door because you knew that your cheerleader girlfriend was going to walk by. And when she would walk by, she'd smile in. And I had a box of, uh, he had a box of chocolates in his locker that he was going to give her. And he's sitting there waiting for the bien peinado. That's Greek for looking good. And she walks by and doesn't even look your way. And, you're, and he's trying not to cry. Keep his composure. You see, like, what happened? Like, no smile, no wave. And all of a sudden, her friend comes in who has the same class as you and says, I was going to say her name and put her on blast, but I won't do that. I mean, I don't know who it is, but if I knew her name, I would tell you. And she says, so-and-so wants to break up. Yeah, on Valentine's Day. Wow, like wait a day, like two days or something. <laughs> Literally... That box of chocolates stayed in my locker for the whole year because <laughs> I was too embarrassed to bring it out. Like, 
Who are those for? Oh, that girl that broke up with me on Valentine's Day. That broke up with my friend, I mean. And there you are in eighth grade. Man, the love of your life. The one you were going to marry. You were just meant to be together. You thought your life was over. How are you ever going to find love again? And at that time, that situation was monumental. But through age and experience, you realize that it wasn't monumental. It was just a passing moment. I can tell you that even at that moment, I thought I would never find love again. I can stand here today and guarantee that you will find love again. For some of y'all, it might take a long time. It might take forever till you're old and gray and still handsome, by the way. But that's what the enemy wants you to do. See, he wants you to focus on the problem. He wants you to dwell on the problem. But see, the thing is that when you stay focused and dwell on the problem, you turn what was meant to be a passing moment into a monument. What is a monument? A monument is a structure that was erected to memorialize something or someone. A, a, a monument often becomes a, a reference point, a, a, a reminder of your failure, a reminder of your problem, a reminder of your past, a, a, a reminder of, of where you dropped the ball. And oftentimes these monuments, they, they, become, they become reference points. They, they become a place where we find directions. And us Latinos, we're, we're famous for that. We'll give you directions, not by the names of the streets, by the monuments of the city. Right? Like in, in Dallas, there was this restaurant we would always go to uh, after church on, on Sundays. And it was on Jefferson Boulevard in Oak Cliff, the Mexican Barrio. And it was a little steakhouse called Charcoal Broiler. But Charcoal Broiler had a big, huge cow on the roof. But nobody ever called it Charcoal Broiler. It was called La Vaquita. It's like the venados. That's not their name, but that's how everybody knows the venados. That, that's, that's how we are. So you're like, you go to La Vaquita, and there's a charcoal border. Where? What's that? Never heard of that before. Or in, in downtown Dallas, we have La Bola. You guys know what the, La Bola is? You know the big tower with the, that has the restaurant? I don't even know what the real name of the tower is. Because it's just La Bola. Like that, that's, that's how you find. And, and you, can, you, you begin to give directions based on on, on, the, on these monuments. And, and that's what happens. That's what the enemy wants to do. If you don't learn how to minimize the moment, you'll get to dwelling on it and focusing on it. And all of a sudden, now it becomes a, a monument. It becomes something that, that you look to to find your value. It is something that you look to to find your destination or your, or your direction. He, he wants you to turn that moment into a monument. He wants your past, your mistake, your failure to define who you are but that moment that moment that that failure where you dropped the ball maybe where you, you didn't meet up where you felt inadequate that was never meant to be a monument in your life it was only meant to be a passing moment and that is why if you never learn how to minimize the moment you'll never be able to maximize the moment because the enemy will always over-exaggerate the problem, the situation in your life. Think about it. How many times have you said, my life is over. And here it is, 2024, and you're still here. You feel the world coming, crashing down. Yes, it happened. But that situation doesn't define me. My past doesn't define me. My mistake doesn't define me. My position doesn't define me. My problem doesn't define me. My God-given destiny is what defines who I am. But you've got to learn to minimize the moment. You have to see it for what it is. I, I, I'm sure some of you parents have been there with your kids, right? You know, we have the adage that says, don't cry over spilled milk. And we say that as parents. Why? Because we know that we could always just get more milk. 
You can clean up the mess, get a new cup, wash it out, and add more milk. But to kids, they cry because that's all they know. That's what their age and their experience have taught them. This is all there is. But as you live, as you grow, you realize that some of those things that you felt were so important, you begin to realize that, man, they really didn't matter. Think about the hardships, the struggles, the trials that you went through. Those moments where you thought, man, I'm never going to get through this, but I got news for you. You're still here. You're still here. If it's for me, tell them I'm busy. I conclude with this. We read Lamentations 3.23, but the verse before that, the writer says this. Because of the Lord's great love. Wow. And the writer is not being hyperbolic. He's not using hyperbole. He's talking about great. The magnitude, the immensity of God's love. He said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He's talking about those moments that you get through, those moments of struggle, the moments of opposition, those moments of, of trials and tribulations, those moments where you feel like you're not going to get through. It is God's love that sustains you. It is God's love that, that covers you. It is God's love. It is because of God's love that you're still here and I'm here to tell you that the same God that got you through 2023 is the same God that is going to get you through to 2024 you may not know what 2024 holds but you know who holds 2024 because of his great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail that word compassions is just translated a little bit differently in the previous version it's the same word as as mercies his compassions says will not fail his mercies will not fail see it doesn't matter what the enemy throws your way in 2024 God's love and mercy will not fail you hold on do everything in your power to hang on to him people will fail you friends will fail you co-workers will fail you leaders will fail you. your government will fail you but I'm here to tell you that God will not and God cannot fail you in 2024 The Hebrew word translated compassions and mercies is rakam, rakam. And that word has a double meaning, dual meaning. It means mercy or compassions, but it also means womb. It also means womb. So the same word in Hebrew for compassions or mercies is the same word for womb. And, and, and as I was doing the word study over this passage of scripture, you know, this week, I, I was thinking like, wow, okay, th there's got to be something powerful and prophetic. How is it that compassions and mercies is the same word for womb? And then it came to me. It, it came to me because then I remembered that Paul writes in Romans 8 that all things work together for our good. It, it doesn't say that everything's going to be good that goes for you. He said that all things. You know what that tells me? That his compassions will Will never fail you. You know what that tells me? What is a womb? Womb is, is a, a birthing mechanism. It is a life-giving mechanism. And so what I see that God is telling us is that no matter what the enemy throws at you, it doesn't matter what opposition comes your way because God is God and he's faithful to his word. And he says that all things work together for our good. When the enemy brings opposition, God sees it as an opportunity to birth something new in your life, to bring something new. So every time, whatever the enemy meant for evil, whatever the enemy meant for death or destruction, God will turn it around and he will birth something new in you. And you know, one of the things that I've learned in my very young age of 33, really, is that it is those moments of opposition that I began to see and realize what God had put in me.
It's those moments of opposition that I realized that I was stronger than I thought I was. That I was better than I thought I was. Did I have a reason to give up and give in? Yes. But it was those moments of opposition that created some of the greatest opportunities that God has brought to my life. So that's why we can sing for the joy of every battle because I know that he will be there. That's where he will be because in the midst of opposition, God is birthing new opportunity. When you, that, when, when you look at it from that lens, from that perspective, and you see the, oppor, you see the opposition, you can give God thanks because God's going to turn it out, turn it around, and out of the opposition, He's going to create a new opportunity. Do you, how many of you guys have ever used a post-it note? Yeah, probably everybody has. Do you know that post-it notes were birthed out of a failure? So some chemical engineer at 3M was trying to make something that would stick but really stick so he created this compound and he put it on this piece of paper and he stuck it and it didn't stay stuck <laughs> anybody else would have seen and I missed the mark I failed but if he would have never failed then we would have never had the post-it note. He said, wait a minute, so I can stick it and stick it off. I can stick it and take it off and it doesn't take the paint off. It doesn't take the surface off. It See, some of you younger generation don't know, but like back in the day, we would have tape and you'd pull all the wallpaper off and everything off. That's all we had. So you're like, this is not that innovative, Pastor. You're like, no, but back in the day, it, that's what it was. And what a perfect picture and example of what God can do with us. In what many might have seen as a failure, God saw as an opportunity. And now thanks to that failure, that mistake, where he missed the mark, now all of us have post-it notes all over our desk, all over our office. Some of you have my car. One day they put them all over my car on my birthday. And that's what God wants to do. And when you understand, you see the opposition that you're going to face in 2024, all you got to see, yes, it hurts. Yes, I feel the pressure. But all this opposition is nothing more than an opportunity for God to birth something new in my life. Maybe he's going to show me a side of me that I didn't, I didn't know I had. Maybe he's going to show something in me that I never thought was there. And God is going to use that opposition to birth and bring that forth out of you. In Jesus' name. Will you stand? You receive that today. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.